0: Aggieville, Aggieville, I'll be out in Aggieville, 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 I'll be out in Aggieville, 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 I'll be out in Aggieville, 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 I'll be out in. Aggieville. Aggieville, Aggieville, be out in Chef Matt, what's happening? Hey, long time no talk. Where the hell you been? At? I know. It's been a. It's been a busy. Uh, it's been a busy week for me. I was. uh... I was out of the country. Had a. I was on a joint bachelor bachelorette cruise through the Caribbean. Oh my God. Um, I figured out uh, a new drink that I like. Maybe my second favorite drink, which is. Uh, I bet
1: it has an it umbrella. Did not, on it not.
0: You know what? It could have an umbrella in it though. It was. Uh, it was Patron and pineapple juice, which. Uh, Actually mm-hmm. is a pretty good combination I learned. Maybe it's more is that that's it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh just- <laughs> <laughs> tequila and pineapple. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I like that. Tequila pineapple, I guess. Um Yeah, that's good. You know, not too not too shabby. But uh that seems like a drink that you would drink in Florida. Exactly. Exactly. Um, or Cozumel, I guess. Wherever the hell I was. Um well, I love Cozumel. That's Mexico. Yeah, that is Mexico. Yeah. Um, Beautiful. That being said, I know the past week I've missed uh, missed a little bit um, and I missed last week's show, which I was very sad about. But um, we are back um, to talk some cat's hoops and, uh, you know, what I guess another one in one stretch for this team Uh A great showing on Saturday against Florida, dominant showing. And then, unfortunately, the team having to make the trek over to Lawrence on Tuesday in that shithole and uh, got a loss against the Jayhawks. But um, we are going to recap that this week. um, As you can hear, um, or if you're in the live room, uh, we have the good chef, Andre Napier, and uh, Fireball Matt, that's me, uh, this week. Bob Trollsby, the commish, is uh, off doing something. We miss him. Um, And if anybody wants to audition for his job this week, please feel free to let us know. But uh, let's go ahead and get started um, with past Saturday. um, and, And what was Keontae Johnson's, really, his revenge game against his former team, uh... Florida Gators. Uh, Cats pulled off what I would say uh, is a very nice 64-50 to 50 victory um, against the Gators, um, and really the game was not that close um, with five minutes to go in the second half. Florida was down 23, but they went on a little bit of a mini uh, mini run there um, with five minutes to go and um, was able to pull it back to 14 Keontae Johnson, a double-double, 13 points, 11 rebounds. Wasn't a great shooting day for him, and I would say for the team as well. Um, And then Marquise Noel had a solid game, 13 points, 8 assists, 9 rebounds. Um, Again, we only shot about 38% from the field and uh, 24% from three, so – was not a great shooting uh, day for us, but thankfully for Florida, it was even worse. They were 31% overall and 18% from behind the arc, which I feel like I could do if you gave me 100 shots. Um, And then we won the rebounding battle, 49-36, a pretty rare stat for us this year. But, I mean, looking at it overall, um, a great win against an SEC team, and especially with how Florida played uh, Tennessee last night, um, beating the second-ranked team in the country. Chef, how do you think this win impacts maybe your thoughts about what this K-State team is um, overall this year? Well, it gives
2: me it gives me a little bit of excitement in, in one way where we get a team that comes in to Bramlage and you know they they have this feeling of we should win this game. And we don't play around with them, you know. We they have the SEC brand on them. They're the Florida Gators. They have multiple national championships in my lifetime for sure, since I can like really remember basketball very vividly. And we they come into Bramlage and we handle them the way we should because we are the better team. Th- those games where you know it's the Big Twelve SEC Challenge and it has a moniker to it where you want to play up for a game, but in all reality, the game really doesn't uh, factor into your season as much as we thought it was going to. So maybe we thought it was a letdown spot looking forward to the KU game to get back into Big 12, but they handled the, the Gators the way they were supposed to. You know, you brought up Marquise Noel, and like you said, it wasn't a very good shooting night, but... Marquise Noel almost drops a triple double in the first half, and it really, it really highlights what he was missing when David Gasson was gone. You know, he had that had that center that can rim run very, very well, and that was a little bit part of what we were missing. And I thought that Gasan brought a lot to the table. Keontae, uh, very emotional day for him, um, even though it didn't look like it. He's cool as cool as a cucumber, but He has a a pretty, I mean, solid performance. I mean, if uh, a 13 and, what'd you say, he had 10 rebounds. I mean, that's a 13-10 day. That's a quiet 13-10, and that's kind of like his floor. That's like the bottom line for him. So, you know, overall, the team did just what it needed to do, very stingy on defense, and I thought the number one threat that florida was had and what we talked about while you were gone matt was the castleton kid and i thought we held him in check until like the first four minutes of the second half and probably the last little bit of the second half as well but other than that we did a tremendous job
0: yeah i i ended up watching the replay on this one um just like the ku game and um the, all the talk was, uh, admittingly, about Colin Castleton, and, and he's been a good player this season for Florida. And uh, you know he still shot fifty percent from the field and had thirteen points, but it was very quiet. And admittingly, if you're a team that you know you your opponent only scores fifty points, that's a great defensive performance um, by k State to be able to put just put a lot of pressure on those shooters and and Florida was not making shots. And most importantly, they were taking really, really bad shots. And that is not a recipe to come into Bramwich Coliseum and win if you're taking really bad shots. So you have to be impressed yet again with the way that Kansas state won the game and, and, yeah having it's not a great offensive performance by any means from the cats but if you're able to do what you can do on defense that's going to keep you in many of these games and not saying florida is one of the best teams in the sec i mean they're you know probably top quarter of the sec but that's still a really good win um that's going to show a lot from a resume perspective and um, you talked about David Gasson, you know, 19 minutes, had nine points. Um, you know, it's good to see him kind of get back into the realm of, you know, number one starting, but um, being a, a force down low and trying to stretch out those fives um, on the other side. And, and we saw that, you know, baby Ijeola only played five minutes in this game. Um, and so, you know, Naquan, David Gasson, Ish Masood played 21 minutes. You know, it, the nice part that we're seeing about this team is, you know, sometimes I feel like we've gotten worried with how much these guys are playing. Um, and do we have a bench that's gonna allow us to, to rest some guys? You know, we played nice in this game. Um, and, and that's that's huge, especially as we get towards I guess the uh the next half of Big Twelve play, which is coming up. The depth is is absolutely
2: crucial. And we talked about it on the last episode where the bigs, you know, we were stretched so thin with the bigs. We thought uh, Ish was kind of the last straw. And oh, how the turns have tabled. Ish Masood is kind of like our most reliable big man, especially offensively. Uh, and when, by the time David Gasson gets his feet completely under him, it, it'll probably be David, but ish has stretched the floor so well for us offensively and he's holding his own on the rebounding and uh defensive end i mean we'll talk about uh you know tuesday's game but you know all albeit ish has really advanced and kind of taken his role very seriously and improved on it so much that you know he's he's valuable to this team and Bebe, he had five minutes in the Florida game. He probably had less minutes. Well, he might have had some more minutes in the KU game. I'd have to look. But he's he's kind of our third big now. So that adds so much depth where if you're just playing the three big guys coming off the bench and – a starter that's basically guaranteeing you that you're going to play eight guys in a basketball game so will they cut Ish's minutes off completely or how will they handle that because you know you kind of don't want to play more than more than eight uh going down the stretch really you don't necessarily want to because the minutes it gets tight people are start it starts getting tighter in these big 12 games that you kind of want to get your rotation set but when you've got talent like we do, uh, you can run a lot of bodies out there, and i would I would love a little bit more fouling from the big guys if it was me yeah, I my stance on that
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure, I mean getting a little bit more of if you're getting more pressure inside and I mean fouls are fouls if if they're good fouls that are keeping keeping the other team from scoring. Um, and, you know, maybe they only make one or two. That's a good foul. That's what I always uh, learned growing up. But absolutely. Um, uh, speaking of Bebe, he played three minutes in the KU game. So he's uh, going. Okay, so bad. it was less, <laughs> um,
2: you know, but in, in his minutes, he battled versus the, uh, the other guy. And, and I love Bebe's attitude. You know he is he's chippy. He likes to get in and get nasty with guys. So I could see him, and if he has five fouls, if you're going against um, the guy was Ku's big man, Ku a, Adams and uh, Udo Kid. I mean, if they even touch the ball in the paint, and you're already at like 17 fouls, man, you are fouling him immediately. Don't don't even think about it. Don't let them get a chance to get a bucket inside. Or even have the option of kicking out. Foul them, send them to the line because you're gonna the way Big 12 games are refed and basketball games in general are refed, you're getting to the double bonus no matter what. So it's very, very rare that you're gonna have fouls to give at the end of a half. So just start fouling, dude. Just don't give up easy baskets or kick out threes. It's just that's just my philosophy. And if you've got five of them, you got fifteen fouls amongst your big men, dude, that could last you a long time.
0: Yeah, if you can have three big men big men that can capably play decent minutes, and you know, having the extra fouls in your back pocket is huge, especially when you get against some teams that those big men really can't make free throws or or whatnot. And and so, you know, Bebe has played a really good role um in the first half of the season, especially with uh Gasson out. Um, and, you know, we'll see against Texas, uh, you know, we'll talk about um, a preview in Texas in a little bit, but that's going to be an interesting game against some of their big men, how we're going to, we're going to match up. One thing I do want to talk about and um, something that I actually did see live while I was in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico is uh, the story that ESPN did about Keontae Johnson. And um, as I mentioned before, you know, this was a, a big game for him, playing against his former team. It was a very emotional game, and albeit it was it was a an average game for Keontae Johnson, but at the end of the day, you know a double double is huge, and uh, I just we have to give him props for how he's really managed you know his emotions in that game, and um, he was rewarded today. Uh, Jeff Borzella from ESPN marked him as the best of the best transfer. This season in college basketball, which is uh, rightfully so for Keontae Johnson.
2: That's nuts, you know, man. How how Tang and and company brought in these transfers. I mean, it's we we we've heaped so much praise on Jerome Tang, and we'll probably reflect on this more at the end of the season. But the job that he did to bring in these guys is beyond what I ever thought could possibly be even the Keontae thing you know when we first got Keontae I was like you know the heart thing uh how's this game gonna transition over how's he gonna act how's he gonna be and every single one of these guys have bought in they're all good character kids so that that we've seen so far that is just an amazing job and Keontae deserves everything that he's given. Uh, that people are awarding him, whatever. And it, it, it we'll talk about it a little bit probably here in a second. But Keontae has brought a, a energy to this basketball program with similar to what, like, I don't know, Barry and them. How that, how that brought the doom back and all of that is it's their energy. He's trying to pull windmill dunks in a lavender out while the crowd is going crazy up like 15 dude. That is nuts. He didn't make it, but you know, shit, that is what that is the type of basketball that I want the aggressive. Don't give a shit. I'm going to windmill on a fast break kind of style, that I like
0: Keontae is the man. He's the man. And him coming to K State has absolutely changed the the tra- trajectory of this season um, in many ways, and and you know we we all saw his his highlights from Florida, and we knew that there is potential there if he had the same capability to to be able to pull that out, and and he's just fits so well into this team, and despite or you know despite Tuesday, you know this past Tuesday and whatnot, I mean this team is still in the running um, at the halfway point to to win the big 12. So he's, he's been, been huge. Yeah, I mean, think about
2: what this does for, let's not, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but let's think about what this does in this era of basketball. It just gives you similar to how the football staff is doing. You know, when you get in these transfers at safety or corner or, Whatever. there's what, just name a position, and we've basically been successful at that position in the transfer market, uh, probably other than running back. Well, you know, Gilbert was pretty good. In uh, every position, every position, the football field, and we can. it gives you something to show kids that are in the portal, that are transferring schools, that are graduate transfers. This could be you. This is the st- – type of program that we have that can give you success. Keontae Johnson is going to be on the front of that little portfolio or whatever pamphlet that they hand to these transfers. Like this is a first round draft pick guy that came to here that came to Kansas state and changed the trajectory of his life and career because he came here under this staff. And that is going to pay dividends so far down the road. It's
0: insane. A hundred percent. I, I look at it somewhat and compare it to what Fred Hoiberg was doing at Iowa state and picking up transfers. I mean, he was one of the, you know, one of the earlier coaches that would leverage the transfer portal and bring, bring guys in. And Keontae Johnson is, is the first step there. And even Desi Sills. And I mean, a lot of these guys have obviously transferred in, but This is going to be a place that transfers can find and revitalize their career and so it will be very interesting to see how the staff leverages the success that we've had this year in the transfer portal and and bringing in guys for for next season and the seasons to come so it will be very very interesting Let's go ahead and just get the uh, shitty review out of the way. Uh, We can talk about the KU game on Tuesday night. Uh, We saw the rematch with the Kansas Jayhawks, the Jabronis in Lawrence, Travis Kelsey reference. Uh, We saw that game end with a 90-78 win for the Hawks. And and a game that we could probably say was a theme of missed opportunities for K-State. Blown layups, missed dunks. And and really those pieces were overshadowed by admittingly a strong shooting performance from KU. And so, uh, you know, Marquise and Keontae did lead the way uh, in many ways for the, for this game uh, scoring. Uh, Marquise had 23, Keontae had 22. And to add with Keontae's 22, he had another 12 rebounds, checking off another double-double. And then Naquan Tomlin and David Gasson also in double figures in this game But not much else. It was just a really poor shooting night for K-State, 34% from the field. KU shot 41%, which not terrible, but good enough at this point to win. And uh, they shot 41% from three, which ended up being a, a huge thing, especially in that first half. Rebounding pretty even. And then really the last stat to focus on is yet again a Big 12 foul fest coordinated by John Higgins. Uh, 47 overall fouls called in this game. I look at it, Chef, we're still one game back for the lead in the Big 12. We have gone on the road already at Texas, Kansas, TCU, Iowa State, Baylor. We have the same record as KU, same record as uh, TCU, Iowa State, all at six and three. I don't think this loss matters. Uh, As long as Saturday goes well for us, but I I don't know if you agree. Um, But you know, looking at this game, what is it? What does it put K State um, in in the Big Twelve conference standings? For me,
2: it's it hurts to lose. But you know, what is what was when we've had Grant Flanders on, and I would love to have Grant Flanders back on at the for this midweek. You know, this mid. Big 12 season pod, but I've loved his perspective. But what we talked about with Grant Flanders is, you know, you could, if you could steal, steal some games on the road, which we've done at the beginning of the season, like you, like you, from you mentioned uh, previously with wins at Baylor at Texas, those are huge because if you look at it since probably that first two weeks of the season, opening weeks of the big 12 season, I mean, it's basically been home wins for all these teams. TCU goes down, goes to West Virginia and loses. I mean, everybody was beating Texas Tech, no matter what. But Texas Tech beats Iowa State with a magical comeback in at home versus Iowa State. KU protects home. We haven't lost at home. Uh, what was the other game? Texas beats Baylor. At home, I mean, it's just these home court advantages are starting to sink in. Crowds are starting to come back. It's Bramlage is going to make a huge impact. So protecting home court is really where it's at. And like you said, road victories are going to be hard to come by. So if you can steal those, good. But if you can't, you've got to protect home court. We're on a 0-2 losing streak in Big 12 play both of them on the road. We this Texas game is massive. They're they're first in conference. Let's be let's call a spade a spade. They they deserve it. They've been winning their games. They're first in the conference. We have a chance to do just we have a chance to do what we need to do. Bram Lynch needs to be loud. Stripe it out. I love the cuteness. I love all that. Bring the energy. Fuel these guys so we can get a dub at home. And then the narrative changes again. It just keeps adding to it that every game is going to be crucial. So, Matt, I know you. we could do this every day. <laughs> every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday. We could <laughs> be doing this exact same conversation. Is this the one that we need? We need all of them. But it's the one that's in front of us. I, that's so coach speak, but it's so true. Like, you can't go looking two weeks ahead because, I mean, Ken Palm is smart. Ken Palm is a very good metric for basketball. And if he's projecting the conference winner at 11-7, and dude, that's insane. So that means teams are going to be beating the shit out of each other, home and away, whatever. But if you're protecting your home court, I think that's a little checkbox on uh, their little vision board if they're checking that box at the end of the season we're probably we're probably top let's be honest because we've got the road wins already if we if we've got those road wins and we protect bramlage we're probably on top cuz i i mean how many yeah. games do we have left we have 10
0: nine games
2: nine games left we have nine games and five of those are at home I'm correct sure. five correct. of them at home so that puts us at 11 Eleven and seven,
1: mm-hmm.
2: okay. If we and two of them are versus Oklahoma,
0: yes, yes.
2: That that that's that's a bottom third of the Big Twelve team.
0: Correct. Yep. Like a
2: team a team like KU has to play Baylor. they that's their team that they haven't seen yet. That's a that's crazy. That's tough. Baylor has to play KU, so it's like. If we could get the sweep of – that's that's where it's at, buddy. I, I yep. know I've been rambling for a while, but that's where it's at. It's the sweeps. If you can get the sweeps of these teams, dude, you're talking – that's business right there. That is big business.
0: I, I 100% agree with you. And this game on Saturday is going to be the the page-turner for me if we are going to win the Big 12. If we if we are going to be in contention to win the Big Twelve, because as you said, we have five home games. Five, uh, four of those five are against teams right now ranked in the top fifteen. Crazy! That's, that's crazy. I mean, that's crazy. With how good the Big Twelve has been this season, it makes sense. But it means that we have a you know we have a twelve and zero record at home right now, and and partially we play great at home. But the environment has gotten so overwhelming for opposing teams that these bringing in a ranked team to Bramlage, it seems like it is a very tall order for those teams to try and beat us. And, and the environment is very helpful in that. You have a game at Texas Tech, which obviously they have not been very good this season, but Iowa State gave up a 22-point lead in Lubbock this past week. And, or, you know, it might've been, it was Saturday, I believe, and lost. And then Oklahoma, they've been successful this season. You know, they've had their good moments. West Virginia on the road. That's always a tough environment. Hopefully it's the last game of the season. Hopefully West Virginia is kind of checked out by then, but the schedule is set up very much for us to make a run here. But Saturday is going to be that, that kicker for us. And eleven and seven—that would mean yes, we have to win every home game. I—I I, I don't see eleven and seven as the winner here. I do think it's going to be like a—a a thirteen and five. Um, I think these teams are going to things are going to right the ship a little bit in the conference. But I mean, if an eleven and seven team wins the Big Twelve, it's going to be shared by like three teams, which would be absolutely hilarious. That just says how good the conference is.
2: I want to bring if you can shoot the invite to Will. I want to bring Will up because I know we're we're going to be talking. This is basically to the point where we're talking future basketball now. Um, eleven and seven that that would be that would be a lot of ties because I don't see it's just kind of doesn't seem possible where there would be separation at eleven and seven. So that would be ties now. The sweeping factor, like I brought up, our sweep factors are who Baylor, Texas, Baylor, Texas, West Virginia, Oklahoma state, and I think that's it, right? Is that our only sweep factors?
0: Um
2: we're one to know versus West Virginia, we're one to know versus Texas Tech, we're one to know versus Oklahoma state, we're one to know versus. Baylor and Texas. So those five, those five are are possible sweeps that we could have. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. do Texas? If we win, if we can hold home court versus Texas, that would be a sweep versus the number one team in our conference as it stands right now. That is, I, I mean, it, it, and like you said, this is the linchpin to the whole season. This is this is what you have to do. You have to win this game, and if you do that, because Texas is not going to lose. I mean, too many more games, right? It's, so, if you get this one, that puts you that vaults you to number one in the conference, and you have to just beat the teams that you can. That and and the ones that we have, we can we can definitely get those on the road. We could definitely do it, but that's where my that's where mine are at because we have the yeah. road wins versus Baylor and Texas, but let's say we don't hold uh, home court versus those. Now you have to steal one versus the road teams and the road team, the teams that we have to beat on the road are not the top of the, not the top of the crop. So no, we can, it can get, it could be done, but I, my, 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 this is my tier list. If I had to choose, how do we win the big, win big 12 is hold, hold serve at home. That gets you to 11 7 automatically. It second is, is win like split Baylor, Texas, and then beat the bottom teams of the conference. That gets you to like 12
0: and 6. Split Baylor and Texas. Okay. I'm firing up the big 12 tournament predictor right now. Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, so no, it, while we
2: Matt split- does that. While Matt
0: does that, I wanna <laughs> I want to ask
2: Will this. Will, what do you think is the linchpin to get this big twelve big twelve
1: regular season title? Well, l- linchpin would be <clears throat> taken out number one on Saturday. But um I you were talking about sweeping and uh <clears throat> I think that we we are sitting probably better than the majority of the conference with what we have left on our schedule. Um there's still an absolute uh you know great chance to sweep um, Oklahoma and then we have what tech away. So our, our away games, like you were mentioning, I'm kind of echoing um, are better than, than, you know, we've already went through the toughest part of our away games. So <clears throat> we we'll, we could essentially drop one or two on the road. And if we sweep those teams, you were mentioning like Baylor and, and Texas, then we should have a very good shot of having sole possession.
2: Matt, I mean, you got to get me hip to this technology oh, that you're about to use. So. Shoot. Okay. So,
0: damn it. All right. That was really 13. good insight, Will, because I agree. I agree completely. All right. So, I uh, 13 and 5, 13 and 5, <laughs> we would be the one seed because we defeated Kansas based on winning percentage against the number three teams Baylor, TCU, and Texas. And I have us beating Texas and TCU at home. We beat, Tech on the road and Oklahoma on the road. We beat Iowa State at home. We lose to Baylor at home. We and we lose to Oklahoma State on the road. We beat Oklahoma and we beat Kansas or we beat West Virginia on the road. So 13 and 5 would mean we would go 7 and 2. The rest of the way, rest of the way. Dude, that is tough to say. That is tough to even think about. That is hard to think about. And I'm thinking about it like from the other teams too. So KU has Iowa State this weekend in Ames. Yep, yep. That's they, a tough one.
2: Texas at home. Okay, and that's that's after. Uh, hold on. Let's say we beat Texas,
0: right? Yep. Who do they have before the KU game? No, that's it. They play us and and Ku back to back. Oh shit!
2: Oh, so they play Ku on? They play Ku on t- a Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh I would assume that's Big Monday, right? Oh, that would be that would be only a, a game a day and a, a day in between the case that happens well yeah i mean it does make sense because they're
0: already in kansas no it is it's big monday it's big yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of and ku and ku and texas have not played each other this season
2: no okay so it's ku and texas that they have to play twice so ku and baylor's already played that's right baylor beat the dog shit out of them oh no yeah that was tcu that beat the dog shit out of them.
0: baylor beat them by six yeah, so KU has Texas on the road and at home. They also have Oklahoma State on the road, which statistically is a tough game for most teams. That is a tough game in Stillwater, and then they'll have Baylor at home, TCU on the road,
1: and West Virginia. Yeah. West Virginia at home and Tech at home. West Virginia at home and Tech at home. So
0: they so, end, they
2: end on the two game. Well. My biggest concern right now is the West Virginia on the. But you, like you said, even this game versus I, I, this is a now it's turning into a West Virginia pod for a second. The game TCU versus West Virginia. There is some turmoil that's going on in that West Virginia team right now. The big guy for West Virginia, he's like throwing a crazy temper tantrum. I mean, he's like throwing shit on the ground. They bench him. They put in a freshman over him. I mean, it, it's getting rough. I mean, like you said it could get it could get dark for them. They're a bubble team right now, but if they don't straighten up, they're not going to be tournament bound, which would be unfortunate, but that that could play into our favor at the end of the season last game. They're not playing for anything. Maybe the spoiler card is not necessarily on the table anymore. Yeah. Oh man. I do think I think 12 I, and 6 oh. is I think 12 and 6 is the number that I want to get to. 12 and 6 is the number. I mm. think okay, so hear me out. That's a split versus Texas and Baylor. Hopefully we get the Texas one <laughs> and then if we get that's one and one over this these next two games. Then we go then what's our next game? It's probably a road game. Uh, It is at Texas Tech. Okay, we have to get that dub. That should be a dub, right? uh, Assuming that we don't have a poor shooting game because Iowa State was on fire and then they went up 20 and then absolutely got cold and just like, I don't know what the fuck happened. They just let them storm back. Uh, Texas Tech, is they show a lot of heart, but we basically, with no, uh, with that was with their big guy that we played them at home. They played us a little tight at the beginning, but we, we, our talent uh, came through at Bramlage. Uh, I think we can do that on the road, especially with their big guy still not a hundred percent, not playing some games, playing some games. I think we could get that one. And then that's
0: two and one. Okay. God, I can play with this predictor. I, all oh, day, yeah. I just did one that has K State and Texas at thirteen and five, and then twelve and six is TCU, Baylor, and KU, and KU would be the five seed. Which I, I know how much the Big Twelve co- or tournament. I do not want to play KU <laughs> <laughs> unless it's. Third- I want them on the opposite side of the bracket.
2: <laughs> if we're th- if there's two teams at thirteen and five, and then three teams at twelve and six. I mean, there's some bottom feeders in this conference, then.
0: Oh, yeah. Texas Tech is 2-16. Oklahoma, 3-15. and 15.
2: No way. There's, I don't see that happening, my guy. There's no way. Uh, I don't think... Maybe the Texas Tech thing. Okay, but, you know, I don't have got-
0: Tech winning... Let's see. Tech... God, I don't know. I mean... Tech's gonna have – uh I hope it's not against us. That would be really bad. I don't
2: think it'll be against us. I am I the way we looked against them, it's just not I think they could get wins versus Oklahoma State. I think they can definitely get a win versus Oklahoma. They could definitely get a win versus I you know, they might be able to beat Iowa State at home. I mean, they just looked that final stretch of that game, they looked so much better than Iowa State, which is so frustrating for me because we let them like just bully us around in in hilton which is just gross uh but i think i think we'll be better i think we'll be better i think we could beat them on the road and i it's it's just so much variables that go into these big 12 games i do want to talk i do want to talk about this texas game that's
0: coming up though Yes. If once we get once Let's, we finally put a bow on this simulator. <laughs> Let's do it. No, I, I will say that um, my last one is just doing teams favored by the Sagarin rating. If that's the case, K State will be eleven and seven in the four seed and Texas will win the big twelve. So that's teams for future games that are favored.
2: Ooh. But what are they basing this on? How much are they giving the home? How much are they giving home court? Because, like I said earlier, we're seeing so much of these home team dominations. Like it's just so valuable to have home court, and I never thought about it like this before. Because we, Case State, has been so bad recently. I mean, just home games were just giving up big leads, and we're losing a lot at Bramlage. But now
0: that the doom is back. I mean, how much is how valuable is that? So they have us with the Sagarin rating. They have us losing every game on the road and winning every home game except for this weekend. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we're gonna have. I don't. We're gonna have to pull something out.
1: (laughs) Affirmation. Uh, I don't think affirmation that the Lincoln is definitely the game on Saturday.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That yeah. for sure. I don't,
2: but I don't think we'll lose every game on the road. I just don't see how that's possible.
0: Uh you know. Yeah, I know.
2: We've played in we've played in better environments. That Baylor crowd was, I mean, from what I remember, was decent. Uh the, the Texas looking,
0: crowd. The Texas crowd was
2: Was it? I don't remember it being very good. But uh, I could be wrong. Uh, I yeah. don't remember it, but you know, that that new facility they got is insane. But I want to talk. Oh, I, I want to talk about this Texas team. Will do you? The way they they stretch the floor is this going to be our biggest problem that we've seen so far? Because Allen is playing really good. Marcus Carr is shooting the lights out. Well, not that last game he kind of struggled, but you know he's a very very dangerous weapon. What do you see with Texas
1: that that could give us a problem? I see everything that could potentially be a problem. Um, Even just from when we played them last, you can see that they have uh, corrected a lot of their mental errors. And um, so I would say that they're going to look at the film against KU. And you notice that with KU, even though uh, I should say Texas has what, their bigs are probably a little bigger. I haven't looked and compared, but um they gave us trouble when they were spreading it and opening up that paint so you know that texas saw that and so we definitely are going to have to adjust to it and they've got speed as well so they're very capable of doing that but um i mean i'm fully co- that being said i'm fully confident that tang can um scheme something up i mean i i would mention this uh, a couple days ago and i really liked i can't remember which game it was but there was um i noticed they were doing like a I don't know what you would call it, but it's kind of like they start off as man and then almost halfway through the shot clock, they'll switch to a zone and it really, really um, befuddled the team we played. And I, I wish I remembered who it was. We, we've we been pulling that out the last few games
2: and and we've been doing it both ways. I, I know for a fact that like middle, I know we did it versus KU and we definitely did it versus Iowa state. Uh, what was the game before Iowa state? I'm not, remembering off Texas, the top of my, I think it Texas, might have been Texas Tech. Tech, Texas Tech. We definitely did it versus Texas Tech where we run this high two, three zone, especially coming off of a, a phantom pressure. We've run into a two, three zone. And then with probably about 10 seconds left, we, we switch into a man coverage and just, we just follow our guy around. And that really does, like Will said, it brings a lot of trouble to a team. You know, we weren't showing that versus, versus Texas, Especially because that game was insane, one sixteen to one hundred three. That's a crazy number. Now that now that we're playing basketball and we just watched that sixty four to fifty game versus Florida, uh, imagine scoring one sixteen right
0: now, Matt. Could you imagine? There's no, 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 not at all. Uh, I don't anticipate this is going to be a track meet like the first meeting. But I also don't anticipate that it's going to be a a defensive battle. Um, I think it's going to – we're going to see some offense. And and for us to win, we're going to have to shoot really well. I think we're going to really have to uh, fire against fire on this one. Marcus Carr has been playing well. Serge Ibari Rice has been playing well. He had 21 against Baylor. And uh, that Texas team that beat Baylor – they they just they went on some some good runs in that game, and, and you know at the end were able to to get themselves in a situation to get up by five. But uh, Serge bari Rice w- was shooting really well from behind the arc. He went four or five. He's a twenty nine percent shooter in Big Twelve play, so he had a big game. But the the environment is going to really have to help us. I think it will. I'm anticipating this environment is going to be electric, just like the KU game, especially a Saturday game. Uh, it's going to be amazing. And I would say if I had to pick a key for this, it's going to be the bench play. Can Ish Masood come off the bench, be a, a lethal shooter? Can we see some good minutes from Taiki Green on the defensive side? Um, Cam Carter, I know he starts, but can we get, can we get some consistent play from Cam Carter and, and you know him and Marquise together? You know we've seen Cam play really really well um, in the past few games, so there there there's going to have to be some some offense coming pretty consistently, and and we can't necessarily go on a I don't know three four five minute lull of not making a field goal.
2: Yeah, it, in that like you brought up with that uh, Texas Baylor game, I think Texas only had really one lull in that game. I think it was like a four minute dry spell at like the, I don't know, the the very, almost the very beginning of the second half where they went four minutes without any points. So they're a very consistent offense. So what that tells me is they run a lot of, a lot of either they're very efficient on their, in their five half court offense, or they're running in transition and they're, they're, they're obviously effective with it. So what that tells me when I'm thinking defensively, because what's happening these last few games, especially the Iowa State game and that AU game, teams are getting out in transition and we're giving them free baskets like open threes on transition or layups on in, in in like a two-three, you know, a two two versus three kind of fast break stuff. And when we're, when they're running sets, when KU was running sets, they were obviously picking on the guys with the fouls. So, Gasson, when he got fouls early, they were going right at him, uh, Keontae. And this one was the biggest pet peeve of mine was, obviously you have to go offense for defense at some point, but when a guy like Keontae has three fouls and you're keeping him in, you have to help him because – Keontae's Keontae's a smart basketball player he knows that he's going to be valuable on the offensive end so he's not going to be able to put the effort in on the defense end that he would usually do if he didn't have three fouls early in the first half so the double teams stuff like that because Keontae's going to have to guard like a, a a rice or a uh uh what's that Allen or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's gonna he's gonna have to guard one of their best offensive players. So if we're gonna if we're going to let Keontae do that and be on islands, I want more double teams. I want more traps. I like what we did with Castleton. Like we did with uh uh like we did with the the big guy Boucho. for Texas Tech. I want more yeah whatever it is I can't remember what he's the uh, or not Bismack or whatever his name is. Texas Tech big guy, their best offensive player. We got to double team. I want more double teams. Let our rotations work. I want more stuff like that. So that, I think that's going to be the key for the game for me. What I'm be looking for is how we do on the defensive end to try to disrupt their very efficient offense. Because Carr's going to get his, I think in my opinion. Carr's going to get his. He's a jump shooter, so if jump shooters are shooting they're going to get theirs, but it's the the stuff on the inside. I want more fouls. I want more double teams, but not from like Keontae. I want him from Ish. I want more fouls from Ish. Ish should have. It should be in foul trouble at, in every game. I want Ish in foul trouble every game. I want Hassan in foul trouble every game. Bebe in foul. Definitely Bebe in foul trouble every game. <laughs> I don't maybe, want
0: maybe I, towards the end.
2: <laughs> no, I yeah, not, not. I don't want you four fouls in the first half, but yeah. at the end of the game, you should be pushing, getting fouled out as a big guy because we have the bodies down there. But I don't want Keontae having to go offense for defense. I don't want Naquan having to go offense for defense. Uh, Marquise is very very good on the defensive end. I'm not too concerned with him. Hell, Desi, I like Desi fouling out. I like that shit. Like if he, the the one in the KU game where he's standing straight up in uh uh the Clemente I think it's Clemente he gets it down there, blow him up, man. I don't want no and ones down there. I want Desi fouling the shit out of people. I want Cam Carter fouling the shit out of people. That's what I want. That's what like I want that aggressive defense at towards the end of the game really start using those foul numbers. That's what my cult my key for the game is. Muddle that muddle the game up
0: a little bit. Come on. Yeah. We're the home team. We're the home team. We're gonna be getting calls. I agree with that. And we've seen consistently this year that if we get to the free throw line, that is a a huge key for us. And just getting to the line. And we've been good with making our free throws through the year. Uh I'm knocking, I'm looking on I knocked on wood. But getting We have been aggressive in these games to get to the line. Keontae does a great job when he gets inside and he's one-on-one against a defender drawing a foul. And that's uh, we saw that in the KU game a handful of times, or the first KU game a handful of times. I mean, we've seen it throughout the season. And a big thing is going to be getting to the line and putting Texas in a position where they are in foul trouble. And that being said, I don't want this to be a... Foul fest, like we've seen with a handful of our past Big Twelve specific games, but that is going to be a key. If we can get to the line, get some free free points, we're it's going to put us in a good position to be in position to win this game. I just looked, which ultimately is
2: I just looked it up. Texas shoots like seventy four percent as a team free throw shooting. I might want to retract everything I just said about fouling the shit out (laughs) of (laughs) them. Because these fuckers can shoot free throws, and that is not good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I want to say KU was really good at the line, and they had a a non-traditional performance in Bramlage, so maybe Texas can replicate that. That would be the hope.
2: I mean, mean, a lot of... I'm looking at the stats now. A lot of these... A lot of these teams can shoot free throws. I mean, I'm trying to, trying to find a
0: really bad free throw shooting team in the Big 12. It's time. How, te- how did Texas shoot on Saturday against Tennessee? I wonder. I mean, they only scored 70, 70 points. 70 points. Yeah. I don't know.
2: 71%. CCU shoots 71%. Uh, da, 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 da. What do What do we shoot? That's a good question. What do we shoot from the line? Because I feel like this is one of our better free throw shooting teams that we've had in a long time. I was
1: thinking we were somewhere around eighty percent. We're seventy. We're seventy four point six. So it's basic, Yeah,
2: it's we're okay. basically the same as Texas.
1: Uh, we're not as good as Baylor, but we're better than TCU. Uh, you know, I would say these last couple games kind of um, put a dent on that too. Uh, because we've yeah. been, I mean, overall, you know, we're making more than we're missing. But we've had those, you know, uh,
0: those one-offs where you missed the first one. Texas shot 69% nice uh, from the free-throw line. And Tennessee, that's a – or consistently, Tennessee is a really good environment for a game. I like to think the crowd puts a little bit into it, especially on that stuff.
2: My God. Iowa State shoots sixty six percent, and I think in our the game versus us, I think they maybe missed like three free throws.
0: Of mm, course, yeah, fucking Hilton Magic. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Those bastards can blow it. Yeah. Um, well, uh, after the Texas game, we do have another huge game at home on Tuesday against the TCU Horn Frogs, and if you can come off a, a Saturday win, that would be amazing um, to go and do it. Oh my God. We play TCU. I've been saying Baylor this whole time. Oh, yeah. Why didn't somebody correct me. Yo, it's Purple Baylor. So you're like half right. Um, TCU this season, uh, they are uh, ranked 16th overall in Ken Palm. Offensively, adjusted offense, 44th. Their defense, they pride themselves on their defense, 13th. Um, and they're tied with us for second in the Big 12. Uh, the biggest probably storyline with TCU is Mike Miles and if he is going to be available to play next week. I know he hyper his knee, um, I believe, in the Mississippi State game and uh, was out against West Virginia um, here in their most recent home game.
1: Uh, Damien.
0: Okay. Yeah. Damien Ball uh, took on the scoring in that game. He had a double-double, 16 points and 10 assists. He's a good player. I would say he's a very underrated player in the Big 12. Um, Eddie Lampkin, the big guy, he returned in that game as well. Um, was it pretty though. His,
2: <laughs> he was limping hard. Really? He was struggling. They they pulled him at the, uh, probably the last like 10 minutes of that second half, he couldn't even go. The coaches wouldn't even let him out there. Okay. He was struggling bad. and It was just, and it was aggressive, limp. Like, he's obviously nowhere near 100%, but he gutted it out. So Maybe he might be closer to full full strength, but I mean, if if everything is that I'm led to believe, Gasson had similar like a similar ankle injury. Uh, so and it took him probably a full month to get even back to where he's at now. So, will Eddie Lamp can be healthy for all of February? I don't know, but you know, Miles is like you said, Miles is the the biggest.
0: Yeah, for sure. And TCU has been kind of this hit or miss team in the Big 12 this season. I mean, we saw them lay an egg on Saturday at Mississippi State um, in a game that they probably <laughs> would wish they had back um, in many ways. I If if TCU comes to Manhattan and they don't have Mike Miles and they don't have 100% in Eddie Lampkin, this is a game that I admit we should probably win by – a good handful, but we could say that probably won't happen against most of our big 12 teams this year because of how good the conference is. But Mike miles is that good of a player and to, to lose for them to lose an 18 point game score and going on the road and and one of the toughest environments of the big 12, it's going to be a tall order for TCU my hope is obviously they can beat Oklahoma State on Saturday and they come in with a still a top 15 ranking into Bramlage but I mean thinking about TCU you got any thoughts chef will about what you expect the Horn Frogs to bring on Tuesday
2: Man Now I mean obviously I'm an idiot and I was thinking Baylor the whole time so that changes my whole outlook on everything not really Let's think let's be serious they they kept they kept West Virginia at bay without Eddie Lampkin and Mike Miles, but like you said, Ball he's a player. Miller he's a good player. They've got some they've got some dudes, but I think it's gonna take a lot. I, I think it's gonna take a full strength TCU squad to beat us at home. Especially, God, I, I don't like doing this stuff. I hate doing this. But let's count our chickens before they even hatch. Let's say we do beat Texas. Do you think that crowd is not gonna be hyped up for that's
0: a Saturday game too, right? Uh no, it's a Tuesday Tuesday night eight PM Central. What? Hold on. Oh
2: yeah, this this game is this Saturday. Is TCU not Baylor. Oh, yeah, TCU not baylor. Man. I still think it would be a great crowd. Still going to be a, a an electric doomy atmosphere, especially if we're top of the twelve having a laugh, like my boy Scott Wildcat would say. After beating Texas, man, we can get it done. Now you guys have talked me
1: into two and up, uh. whatever two and oh. <laughs> there was one thing I was going to mention, and it kind of it, hopefully it's a one off, but um, the one thing you were talking about, kind of keys to V, and sorry to kind of backtrack. Um, one thing I feel like is gonna be utterly important moving forward is no costly turnovers in the first few minutes of the game. I know it I know that it's hard to kind of get settled in and usually the first few minutes you're gonna kinda of have to wait for the game to slow down. But man, you've like sometimes they're just over over anticipating and like, you know, trying to hurry up and run through it instead of just slowing down and letting natural instincts kick in. Um, we really saw it against KU and the second half was better. So uh, kudos for that, but we cannot come out and have 10 turnovers in the.
2: A lot of that though, man. I mean, it's Marquise just trying to find his footing in the game. And I completely understand. I'm, I'm screaming at the TV to tell him to slow down, get an offensive set running because, I mean, he's very deadly with these passes, especially when the ball is moving. I mean, Jay Billis. as much as a lot of people hate him. He was being very, very, I mean, what I would say correct with what we were doing, not swinging the ball side to side, just staying on one side of the court. It makes it easier for these passes to be telegraphed because Marquise, when it's all on one side of the court and he drives in there and he only has one option to pass it to, it's a cross court pass and it's getting picked off like, like you were saying, Will, and and it's, it looks rushed. But if we're running sets, I think we're so much better, and that could that could get our offense on onto a a nice start. Because when we get when we get nice starts, the other team kind of has to force the issue, and then that's when we're going out and transitioning and scoring baskets real fast. So I like it that way better than us, like you said forcing the ball at the very beginning and playing on our heels. That's
1: exactly where I was going with it. You know, we like when we played KU the first time, uh, we got out, you know, it was mistake free. It was, uh, well, I think we were up to like 16 or something like that. But uh, it was just nice and crisp, nice, crisp ball. And that's that's what I want to see. I, like you said, I know you can't put, and, and Coach Tang has mentioned this, you can't put Noel on a leash. But at the same time, I feel like he needs to kind of settle in in those first few minutes before trying to go all uh, fast break.
0: I agree. I, a couple of things that you all said that, I think are going to be key in this game in both games um, a fast start and, and easy buckets Um, try, you know, finding some offense and and getting the easy buckets, not taking difficult shots, uh, not putting yourself in a position where we're turning the ball over. Those are, those are going to be very, very important, especially in two games against ranked teams. So uh, I'm sure coach Tang will get it together.
2: What's up with the dunking?
0: Dunk, can anybody explain it to me? <laughs> Naquan,
2: the, no, I mean, dunking, I mean, not the, not the flashy ones. Desi's trying to put people on a poster, and Keontae's doing windmills, and he's obviously getting fouled on a lot of his dunks as well, especially in that KU game. But I'm talking about, like, Naquan. I mean, there's a thing by a KSU fan where he's tracking Naquan's dunks, and it looks like he's going to be all-time single-season dunk record in K-State history. And he was on pace, like a great pace. He doesn't flush things anymore. I mean, I love his finger roll as much as anybody. It's very George Gervin esque But you airball a finger roll when you have a dunk. Like, what are we doing? And Gasson throwing it straight off the backboard. Like, they're not contesting that. Just go up and dunk it. You're almost seven foot tall. Like, and the the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to get fouled, especially on a dunk. Like, nobody blocks dunks, really. They block layups that you try to toss off the backboard or, like, you try to float over the rim. But if you go up strong, you're going to get fouled. Naquan's a great free throw shooter. Gassan, not so much. But dunk this ball. Flush him. I, I just don't understand it sometimes. I don't dunk as much as I used to. But... <laughs> Let's start flushing these home, especially when we're around the rim. Take, not take time, but just go up, bounce. I just want to see them flush some of these home and score around the rim. Because, like you said, like you both said, the layups and the easy ones are the ones. And Matt said at the beginning, that's exactly what happened in that KU game. We get it to like nine, or we get it to ten with an easy basket right there, and we blow it. And that just, and they come down, they get the rebound and shoot a three and it's 13 points, 12 points, just like that. It, it hurts. So finishing at the rim, dunking these balls, man, I can see, I could, I had a premonition that Naquan's going to have two filthy two handers in this game versus Texas. So keeping my fingers crossed, buddy.
1: Yeah. I think I've noticed looked- as well. Oops. Sorry to interrupt, Matt. Um, but it seems like with Tomlin, um, I'm I'm not going to say he's taken a step back because he's still so freaking good. But I, it seem like I've noticed, and, and not to over critique as well, I, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm bashing him. But um, I think he kind of gets in his own head sometimes. You'll notice like on the road, he'll kind of spiral and compared to at home when he's got that reassurance coming from the crowd um, it's kind of a positive reinforcement to himself and you can kind of see him build off that. So I think that, uh, a lot of it could be like, you know, during we've, we've heard it, you know, he didn't play high school ball and that's where most of your fundamentals are going to start grade school and high school. So he's kind of on a curve, but, um, I I think that he kind of gets in his own head now with Gasson, uh, you know, he's still coming. He's coming back from injury. And you can see there was a couple times where he was kind of not in the right spot underneath the rim and uh, trying to stretch out and get it up. And so I think that once he kind of gets back into a rhythm, we'll see the the Gasson from before where he is actually committing. I will
2: say this about Naquan. I know, Matt, you're trying to get in here, but with Naquan, I, th- I mean, you, you're dead on with, I think it's a confidence issue thing. I think it's one of two things, because Naquan is my guy. That is my guy. Nobody else's guy, but my guy. Naquan, those corner threes, I think, throw him back for a little bit. You know, if he doesn't hit him, he, it kind of affects his whole game. People don't, pr- if, especially if you don't make that first one, when he d- misses that first one, people don't press out on him as much when he catches it on the wing or out in the corner and he can't throw that pump fake and get to the rim. When he misses that first one, it kind of like sets his offensive game back. And he's not the best defensively, but I think he's actually somewhat good, especially in this past game. KU rebounding the ball, boxing out, and playing a little bit of defense. I think he's been really well, but it affects him that way. And that leads to turnovers because when he gets frustrated on the defensive end, he starts pushing that ball up offensively. He got fouled on the one in the KU game, but that led to a turnover because he's flustered. Like shit. They're not calling fouls. I'm I'm getting I am not making my shots and I'm picking up ticky tack fouls. I gotta make something happen. And he starts throwing the ball every which way. And that leads to turnovers. But when like you said, when he's at home Man, if he gets a shot to go, you could see a you could see an easy sixteen and sixteen and eight those kind of games. Even though I think he was pretty damn close to that in the Ku game, but it's just the confidence thing, and I think we'll see a lot of that. Especially if he gets a a flusher dunk, like I think he's going to happen.
0: That he that is going. <laughs> the one thing that I'll, I'll just say to kind of put a a pin in it is, I think sometimes we forget that this guy has played basketball for not a long time. And you can see it on the court. You see the flashes of athleticism and you see him making really good plays. And I feel defensively, he, he has shown strides defensively, um, especially in the first KU game when he was covering Jalen Wilson. I know Jalen went off, but uh, I mean, he's, he's out there and and there are times where you can see some of the inexperience, and I think it's just going to come with time, and it's going to come with playing in the Big Twelve. The, the the nine games this season that we have left here in the Big Twelve, he he's going to get better, and he's going to improve. Obviously, I hope he stays next year, which I would imagine I, I think he will. But he he he's had those really good moments where you think, man, this guy is is for sure going to be an NBA player at some point. And then he has just those off nights where he might, he he just seems a little bit out of sorts. And I always remember like he's played basketball for only a handful of years. Um, And so I think he's still a diamond in the rough, especially for us. He, as if he can perform and give us 10 points and, and six or seven rebounds a night, I think that's a win. If we can get that from him.
2: Six or seven rebounds from Naquan is just, uh, hopefully my audio sounds a little better. My hot headphones just died. Uh, or doesn't sound too bad, I should say. Six or seven rebounds, eight rebounds from Will, I mean uh, from, not Will the Thrill, but from Naquan is absolutely massive. And I think he, he can only get better. He can only get better. He's just a young pup.
1: Young, exactly. Hot. That's like, like, my uh, like Matt said, you know, a diamond in the rough, you just kind of got to polish it a little bit. Um, he's like I said, he's behind the curve, and and it's no, no, uh, no shot at him at all. Um, he's going to get there. He's uh, to me, in all honesty, from not playing as much as everyone else does, he's ahead of, of the curve when it comes to that act. Yeah, him and him and Cam Carter
2: are going to be the next Marquise Keontae next year when when his game gets complete and he gets in that. I mean, imagine if he adds ten or fifteen pounds and he gets stronger and faster and jumps higher and all that stuff, and he plays the Keontae role, and Cam Carter plays the the Marquise Noel role where they're just. They're screening, dumping into the post and all kinds of stuff, man, they're, they're going to have a, they're going to have a ball
0: next year. I don't want to think about next year. We have so much more to play for big 12 champs. Love to see it. Love to see it. Um, anything else about the TCU game? I know that was, uh, we wanted to make sure we previewed the two Tejas schools. Um, prior to sending this thing out, but um, the next two games, huge stretch in our season, no doubt about it. Anybody have any last thoughts about those? I'll, I'll say this: we we already know what our
2: linchpin game is, and that's the T game. If we get the T Christian School as well, that two, if we get two and zero, boy, that. I don't know how we're going to be able to contain ourselves. It's just these these two games, you guys sold me on looking ahead and saying not – I kind of think that it's these two games that can do it because then we get to the stretch of the bottom half of the – bottom half of the league is basically every other night. And – Boy, if we could, if we could pull, some, I can't even talk right because I'm so excited to the possibility of possibly going two and zero. So let's just let's go one game at a time for the next two. If we're two and zero, it's gonna be madness. It is gonna be a madhouse, and I can't wait to have Bob back, Matt here, a full unit, a full three bald brothers
0: talking basketball and talking K State. You know it. <clears throat> the ball trio will be back next week, uh, and hopefully cheering on, um, and reviewing a two and a week by the cats. Um, I think that was the plan for today. And, uh, well, thanks for hopping on. We always love it. Having mm-hmm. members of the Cokeheads uh, coming out and, uh, and talking on the pod today for all of us at cocaine, Willie, um, Thanks again, Will, for contributing tonight. Everyone who's going to be listening on the feed the next week or so. Thank you. Please give cocaine. Willie a follow on Spotify or Apple podcasts to be notified of any new episodes as they drop. Please also leave reviews. Let us know how you're feeling about cocaine. Willie, Um, give some feedback. And if you're on Twitter, follow the show at cocaine, Willie, or follow us individually. We got chef Andre Napier here at Matt Marchesini and The commish at Bob Trollsby, Chef, lead us out. Cocaine's a hell of a drug, baby. We're all coke and no joke, Wildcat Country. Let's ride. ride. Will you better say it? Will and let's ride. Let's ride.